Hi everyone. So obviously I'm back. I recently released two amazing interviews that I actually recorded back in like March of this year. I just never edited and posted them until now. So there are so many layers to this, but really I just miss the podcast and all of you. So I'm going to be diving back into regular episodes, and also I want to be more active in the Facebook group. In fact, I hope to be doing some Facebook Lives and some giveaways and all kinds of cool things, so just make sure you check out facebook.com slash Podcast so that you can join in on the fun if you're not already in the group. I have so many topics that I can't wait to dive into with you, and of course, I hope there are more interviews in the pipeline. Um, If you are interested in coming on here to share your story, it's honestly so easy. There's absolutely no pressure. In fact, it's kind of fun. It's just like a hangout on Zoom with somebody else who loves Girl Scouts as much as you do. I'm going to send you the questions ahead of time. You schedule it on your own terms. Just send me an email at girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com or private message me on Facebook. But anyway, today I wanted to kind of update you on my own troop and my own experience right now as the world opens back up and the Girl Scout movement is kind of picking back up steam as well for the most part. I've just been really open with you guys about my experiences and stories and so I want to keep going with that and also share how I'm feeling about things because I don't know I think this has been helpful for people in the past. If you're new to this podcast, welcome. I am so, so glad you're here. There is so much great content in previous episodes and also in episodes that are coming soon. Today, though, is kind of a weird one to start with. So if this is your first time listening, I do recommend either going back into the old episodes and listen to some of those first, or if you do want to just keep going with this one, have patience with me. I just want to explain where I'm coming from right now. And to be clear, I am not trying to be special or anything. I know this past year and a half has been hard on literally the whole world. And like so many other people, this past year and a half has had some really amazing things happen for me and in my life and in my family and my household. But there have also been some really, really hard things too. My troop that I've been leading for the past six years is a multi-level troop that has served daisies through cadets. And before the initial COVID outbreak, which shut everything down, I had about 24 active members in my troop across all of those levels. And we were anticipating some serious growth and actually shooting for maybe like 28 to 32 girls going into last membership year 2020 to 2021 because we knew we had a new crop of kindergartners coming in to accommodate some sibling sets. And we also had a super robust retention plan for older girls because about a little more than a third of our troop were all middle schoolers and it just gets so tough to retain girls as they get older for so many reasons. And I've talked about all of this on the podcast before, but I just kind of want to recap so it just all makes sense um, where I started before the COVID shutdown. Anyway, like everything else, our retention plan totally blew up when everything shut down for COVID initially back in the spring of 2020 because we couldn't do anything in person. We're located in a pretty big metropolitan area in the Phoenix area of Arizona, and our council took and is still taking COVID precautions extremely seriously, which that actually worked in my favor because I and some other family members in my household 
are particularly vulnerable to the threat of COVID-19. And so personally, my family has taken very serious and strict precautions. And it was actually kind of nice that my council was taking it as seriously as my family was taking everything, because then I could communicate that to my troop families instead of having to say, I'm just not comfortable. I got to say, council's rules are X, Y, Z. But because our troop is so big and this whole thing has gone on for so long, it means that we did not even attempt in-person meetings or anything until April of this year of 2021. Now, the reality is I didn't know what to do. <laughs> and I think in hindsight, I could have just waited until back to school like you know, right now, because typically my troop does not meet over the summer anyway. So like picking back up in April, is kind of weird. Um, but we were at the time also the only troop in my area that was listed as accepting new DAISY members. And that meant I was getting so many interested parents who were so desperate to get started with Girl Scouts. And everyone in my troop was just so sick of Zoom. Um, the school district, for the most part, stayed pretty virtual for the whole year. Even though my girls go to a variety of different schools, they're mostly all in the same district. So it was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of Zoom and online school. And so they were just really sick of screen time. And plus, Arizona as a state was very anxious to get back to in-person experiences for, well, everyone, but especially for kids. So other activities and sports and stuff either basically never shut down or at the very least they reconvened with in-person activities and games and practices and stuff much, much faster than my Girl Scout troop did. And I should add that there are other troops in my area that went back in person last fall especially because I know there's some people who listen to this podcast, obviously, that are located in the same council and you might be thinking, what the heck? But um, so I just want to acknowledge I had the option to go back in person last fall, fall of 2020. But with a troop our size, for me, it felt like, I don't know, we would still have had to be outside full time, basically, with so many restrictions that it just wouldn't feel like regular Girl Scouts. And because of my own family's vulnerabilities to be perfectly transparent, I just really wasn't very confident about even that until I personally had access to the vaccine. Um, I was feeling a lot of pressure, though, because I knew the girls didn't want to do Zoom. So I had put out an ask to parents, and actually my troop basically agreed that they wanted to come back. But many parents were nervous about in-person meetings or events in the fall anyway, just like I was. And they actually wanted to wait until at least January and then reconsider. So by January of 2021... We knew the vaccine was going to become more and more available at that point. Like, we all knew about it. It was being talked about. Um, it was starting to be distributed. Healthcare workers already had access to it. In some places, teachers already had access to it. And because I teach college courses, I was able to get on a list relatively early for my area to get access to the vaccine in, like, February, March. And then by April, my whole family was able to get it. So that was a really, really big relief for us. And by then, we had a bunch of girls who were just like ready and raring to get started with Girl Scouts. But there were also a lot of families that I hadn't really heard from in several months at that point because it had been more than a year since we had last met in person. So in April and May, we did a handful of in-person meetings, socially distanced, with masks, per our council policies. We had about, I would say, half of the girls show up from what I was expecting. So like 12 to 15 girls um, across all the different levels. But that was an interesting challenge. Um because that was across four levels. So that only ends up being like two to four girls at any given level, which is just kind of difficult for such a huge gap in ages. Like we literally had kindergartners 
and seventh graders. And now the seventh graders loved the little girls, loved them. And so actually they were really excited to help with little kid programming and stuff, but it just made our activities a lot more limited to try to accommodate such a huge age range and also meet COVID safety restrictions. Um, So I put out an ask to all the families at the time and some responded and said they had girls who were involved in spring sports, but they would love to do summer programming if that was available. And they were planning to come back for the following year, which would be right now um, as well. So I didn't quite have a total handle on how many girls were actually coming back and when, but I did just generally feel okay about it, just not confident enough to have the troop pay for spring registration for renewals for this year. And if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you might already know this, but I love early reg. I know from previously having worked for Girl Scouts, which I do not now, but previously in the past, I worked for Girl Scouts. And so I know how important those spring registration numbers are for council staff. But at the same time, I just wasn't confident spending a couple hundred bucks of hard-earned cookie money on girls who were probably not actually going to come back. And on top of all of this, originally going into um, COVID lockdowns, there were four of us serving as troop leaders. um, So that was like a person to cover each of the levels. And um, one of the four of us, so one of my three co-leaders, had to have a major surgery over the summer. And so even though she was all in um, for Girl Scouts in general and for the troop, she was not going to be available to do summer programming, which, again, we don't usually do that in my troop. We usually break for summer. We were only considering doing summer program this year in 2021 because the girls really wanted it. New girls really wanted to get started. Returning girls had been apart for so long. And the um, and then the other two leaders quit, like, actually really pretty suddenly. Um, and it was all with good reason, totally understandable. But it just felt like everything was really confusing and complicated. And again, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while you know i am never this confused about what is happening in the spring i always have a really robust comprehensive solid plan for the next year like usually by april may my troop actually has an entire calendar of meetings and events planned for the following year a tentative roster a budget financial plan everything I love to be as prepared as possible as early as possible because it really helps me manage being a troop leader with the rest of my life if I can keep it as totally planned and organized as possible. Um, But this was (laughs) completely just flying by the seat of our pants and having really very little idea of what to expect. And I just kept telling myself, you know, the whole world is full of unknowns right now and you have to kind of just lean into it. Like once things, you know, get back to semi-normal, it's all going to fall into place the way it's supposed to. People will come back because we had a super active troop with really high retention year over year and really, really good participation levels. And none of us know what we're doing during this pandemic. We're all just kind of winging it and seeing what happens. So that's what's going on in everybody's household. It's going to be fine. Um, But also, and I don't know if you personally relate to this or maybe you think I sound crazy, whatever. But after being very, very isolated for over a year, I actually had a lot of social anxiety going back into social situations. Even my closest friends and family Um, because I didn't even see my mother for a year in order to try to protect her as much as possible because I have a kid in high school who was on and off again going in person and he's my stepson. So we co-parent. So I only have so much control over my exposure because I don't have any control over what happens at the other house. And so I didn't want to risk exposing my mom even. So just to give a little more context at how isolated my family really truly was for over a year, I literally only even entered 
two places of business in more than 12 months. One was to drop off my ballot to vote, and the other was to pick up my other stepson's 18th birthday cake, which we had pre-ordered and prepaid, so I literally picked it up and walked right back out. And other than that, we saw no one outside of, like, six to ten feet driveway chats with face masks. It was just our household. We had our groceries delivered, placed a lot of Amazon orders, and just truly stayed inside as much as possible. And (laughs) that's actually really crazy to think about how long that went on and how isolated we truly kept ourselves. And I know lots of other people did too. And some people were not as isolated, but still pretty freaking isolated. And some people pretty much had to go into the world fairly normally because of work and school and whatnot. Oh, I should also add, in case you didn't know this, I work from home. I run my own business. I'm self-employed. So (laughs) from home. And um, my partner's company actually closed when the pandemic shut everything down with the notice to employees that they would probably not be able to reopen, um, that the shutdown would put them out of business. Now, it turns out they actually were able to end up reopening eventually, But he chose to keep working from home instead because there was um, a particularly lot of exposure opportunity in that work environment. Anyway, that doesn't matter. But the point is we both also work from home. So going back into social situations uh, in the spring really was giving me a lot of anxiety. And it still does somewhat. But by now, it's, it's way better because I've obviously done... I mean, a lot less isolating in the past six months or so, even though as a family, we're still relatively careful. Um, But I've traveled. I've seen family, close friends in small groups. I've gone into a couple of restaurants a few times. Um, So it's just a lot closer to being normal. Okay. Back to Girl Scouts. So I was feeling really strange about being in a group of people, which was adding to my anxiety. And even though I think that council, my council is doing the right thing, I was also feeling really limited and restricted by the safety guidelines. Um, primarily at this point, even now, uh, at the time of recording this, which is September of 2021, my council has a two out of three rule. So unless every single person in the group is vaccinated, you have to do at least two of the following three things wear a mask, be outside, or be six feet apart. So you can be outside and six feet apart, or you can be inside and wear a mask and be six feet apart. Or even if you're outside, if you're less than six feet apart, you still need to have masks. Even at summer camp this year, they did masks. Um, So my council has restrictions about overnights and carpooling and all kinds of things. And with a medium or larger troop, it just seems really complicated right now, especially with younger girls who don't even have access to a vaccine at this point. So the whole group being vaccinated is like not even an option, even if you keep all the like personal opinions out of it. Um, That's like, I mean, if you have girls under 12 right now, it's just not even a conversation (laughs) of whether everyone's vaccinated. Again, um, just to reiterate, I actually personally agree with those restrictions that council has in in place. And um, it does make me feel safer, but it also adds to the anxiety from a troop leader perspective of just having more complications. And also, I want it to be fun for the girls. And when their schools aren't even requiring masks or social distancing anymore, I don't really know how to explain to them that at Girl Scouts, we still have to do it and not just explain it to them, but also to the parents who may have like a whole variety of personal opinions. Um, now, here's my little reminder that this podcast is absolutely, completely volunteer driven. I am not remotely affiliated with GSUSA or any council. Um, This podcast is 100% my own opinion at all times, okay? Your council and GSUSA are always the authority and state law, of course, are always the authority on official advice or guidelines. I'm never giving you official advice or guidelines, okay? Um, So (laughs) just getting that out there, making sure to repeat that, especially if you're newer to this podcast um, because I 
used to have that uh, at the either the beginning or the end of every single episode just to make sure that it's super, super, super clear. Um, so if you're newer, you might might not necessarily realize that. I, I mean, hopefully it's fairly obvious, but this is absolutely not an official podcast of any kind. Like, it's just totally personal. Um, I just love Girl Scouts and I want to talk to other people who love it as much as I do. That's the whole point. Anyways, all of that to say, typically I personally feel that as long as you have the girl's safety as your number one priority and you are as communicative and transparent with parents as possible and you have written parent approval and consent at all times for absolutely anything considered, quote, higher risk, you can sometimes navigate tricky waters with guidelines or suggestions that might have been written out of context or for circumstances that don't necessarily apply to the situation. So like, obviously, I would never suggest that you actually have girls sleep in a tent alone with a male volunteer. That's not a suggestion or a guideline. That's a hard and fast rule that exists with purpose, right? And obviously, I would never suggest you take girls on a road trip in like, an older broken car with seatbelts that don't work. Like wearing seatbelts is literally the law, you know? Um, I will never tell you it's okay to endanger girls. Never. Um, so hopefully that's obvious. But I think sometimes there are sort of suggestions or guidelines in place of how you should do things if you can, but they don't necessarily apply across the board. And in those cases, as long as all the parents completely agree and are on board and sign off on the fact that it's personal liability and not Girl Scout liability, I think you're good. Does that make sense? I'm just kind of trying to get at the fact that Arizona state law says there's no mask mandate. So if you are listening and you live in my area and you run a troop with a handful of girls whose families are all very close personal friends or relations, and you're all personally anti-mask, and you all agree that you are not going to force your five-year-olds to wear masks at Girl Scouts, I'm not judging you. I feel more comfortable in social situations with face masks personally, so... I personally wouldn't be willing to negotiate on that face mask thing, but I do understand that lots and lots of other people are willing to negotiate on that. So if you have a smaller group and all of your families feel the same way about it and you agree not to wear face masks, I mean, again, I would probably get it in writing, but like at least, you know, if you all agree, it's whatever. Um, But if you have families that are split on it and you have a parent who has a who is as non-negotiable as I would be about that, then you basically either have to wear masks or you have to ensure that that parent absolutely knows beyond a shadow of a doubt and even signs a paper acknowledging that they know there are not going to be face masks being worn and they're okay with their girls' participation or they need to find another troop. But really... If you have parents who are pushing back and want to follow a council guideline, I mean, you have to follow council guidelines to protect yourself. Because if that parent calls council and says, she says no face masks, and if I don't like it, I have to find another troop, then council's going to call you up and they're going to say, hey, you know, we have a two out of three rule, right? Face masks are required unless you're outside and six feet apart at all times. And you really don't want to start getting calls like that from counsel telling you that you're not following their rules. That is literally step number one to a path that's going to ultimately lead to you being removed as a volunteer from the organization altogether. And I have not only seen this stuff happen multiple times to volunteers who love their role and their girls and have been involved for ages, (laughs) but I personally was the conflict resolution mediator when I worked for council. And I had to personally be the one who made those calls to volunteers. So I know this is real. Anyway, long and short of this is, you need to follow council's suggestions. And anytime you're going to bend something or go the long way around something, 
100% of your parents need to be on board. And that just gets harder and more complicated as your troop gets bigger because there's more and more people involved in those decisions. And actually, even when you follow council suggestions, you still need 100% parent support and you have to be communicative and transparent with parents and get as much approval and authorization and consent from them in writing as possible. They need to know travel and transportation and sleeping arrangements and food safety and allergen exposure and all kinds of other things because it is their literal right as parents and it's in the girl's best interests to keep them safe. This is a bit of a tangent and it's not necessarily what I intended this episode to be about per se, but it is so, so relevant right now. And I just know in every single council, there are troops who are dealing with disagreeing about how to handle COVID and councils everywhere are getting calls and complaints and they have to try to navigate all of this. Plus, it's not just relevant in terms of COVID. It's relevant all the time in just anything to do with child care. Um, Okay. So because my co-leaders either quit or were unavailable for the summer. We're going back to the story now. Um, Because my co-leaders either quit or were unavailable for the summer, we were not able to do summer meetings or activities. And again, that's not abnormal for my troop. We usually break for summer. But I hated disappointing the families after we like kind of teased them with the idea that we might do it. Um, But it just is what it is. I also started getting really stressed about having enough leaders for the fall. So I put the ask out to parents, just let them know we were looking for people who were either willing to stay for every meeting to help. They don't even need to do any planning if they don't want to, but we need the extra eyes and ears and hands to cover all the levels. Or we would need parents to rotate in so that the year is covered. And honestly, I got such great response from parents saying they were more than willing to rotate in for meetings, even though they couldn't do every single meeting and weren't willing to be a full-on co-leader. So that made me feel better. Then, fast forward, and as back to school started coming up quick, the main school district where my troop is located goes back in super early August. But by then, I actually did find another co-leader. And so we had three of us total across four levels, which we sat down to work on our year plan. And we were able to accommodate all four levels with just kind of flexing the levels. So sometimes it might be like daisies and brownies together and then juniors and then cadets. And other times it might be cadets doing daisy program or cadets doing brownie program. And then the other levels would be separate. Or other times it might be like juniors doing daisy program or juniors doing brownie program and so on. And so um, each of us, the three co-leaders, had a level we would primarily work with. And then we would just flex as needed to make sure we could split by age group. And at this point, I started to feel actually excited again for back to troop season. Okay, so I sent out all my normal communication about uniforms and saving dates for the year and, you know, reminders about troop dues and everything like that, which I'll talk about all of that in future episodes in more detail. And I've talked about some of that stuff before, like troop communications. Um, So don't get stuck on that right now, especially if you're newer and you're trying to figure out troop communications. Don't get stuck there at the moment. That's not the point. The point is that what I heard in response (laughs) was crickets. I mean, honestly, like no response. Eventually, one of the new parents of twin daisies reached out with uniform placement questions, but everyone else was just like radio silent. No text responses, no email responses, no comments or even likes on Facebook, nothing. And that is when I started to really kind of worry. But I just told myself they've always shown up and we've always had great attendance. It's just, it was just a couple months ago, nearly everybody was saying that they plan to come back. So they were planning on this. They just don't have questions. That's all. It's fine. 
But then about four days before the first meeting, I sent out another reminder. Hey, it's next week. Can't wait to see you. Don't forget masks. And I got my first OG family responding saying they were so sorry to say this, but they were pulling their girls from the troop this year because of too many other obligations. And it hit me very hard because this is a family who has been in since the early days of the troop with a sibling set who I am very emotionally invested in. And they were super involved in the past and huge recruiters for our troop membership and just a really, really, really great support system. And I just love them. So I cried it out, moved on. I mean, the message they sent was very nice, very appreciative, moving. Um, But it was just sad. And then a couple days later... I got two more very similar notes from other OG families in the same day. I mean, these were girls who had been in the troop since my very first troop meeting years ago. And not only did I cry, but I just had a really sick feeling in my gut. You know, that instinct I had been fighting for a few months that this might be falling apart. But... I was trying to talk myself through it, um, but that instinct, that feeling, it just started to get really, really strong. Um, And then the day before a troop meeting, I always send a final reminder saying it's tomorrow. And I got another message or two from long-term members saying their girls had too many activities they were involved in. They had to pick priorities, yada, yada. Each of these messages was emotional, kind, appreciative. I mean, I swear, you get like two thank yous in six years from these parents. But in the course of just like four days, I got some of the most emotionally appreciative messages about my impact and being a role model and how much the troop has meant to their families and so on. And at this point, there's just no other way to say it. I'm just worried, (laughs) stressed. So I put a poll in our Facebook group. And I mean, there are lots of families who aren't even on Facebook. So that that doesn't reach everyone. I just wanted to take a pulse. I didn't even let people know at that point that I was worried. I just put it out there as upbeat as possible. Like, will we see you tomorrow for the meeting? Can't wait. And there were three choices. Yes. (laughs) Um, A small no but we plan on continuing with Girl Scouts. Or the big no, unfortunately, we will not be continuing with Girl Scouts at this time. And (laughs) I got like one or two responses to each of those. So not a lot of responses, but responses on all three. Um, And even though the responses on the big no, not continuing, even though those were sad, really sad, at least there was a little hope because I did get responses on the other two choices as well. So after that, I sent an email. And to be honest, I can't remember exactly when I sent this because I know I wanted to give people time to respond to that poll on Facebook before I like res- raised any flags. Um But I just don't really remember the timeline. Anyways, I think it was the day of the meeting. And the main reason why I sent it is because, honestly, I was trying to get a grasp on how many girls were even going to show up that night. Um, Because even if there were people who were planning on continuing in general, but they weren't going to make it to that first meeting, like, we had to throw out our meeting plan because it just became really clear that it was going to be a really small group at best. And we just didn't know what to expect or what age levels or how many total or what. And that just makes supplies really, really challenging to plan for. But anyway, I sent an email just giving people a heads up that I've been hearing from several families. They've chosen not to continue. We're so sad to hear it. But we support the families in their decision and appreciate the heads up. And by the way, please let us know if you haven't already, if your plans changed and you're not coming back. And so that email sparked a bunch more responses of families quitting. 
And at this point, I just like took to texting the moms from my cadet group. Um, So like the cadet level is the one that I'm primarily involved with because those were the girls that I was with at the beginning. And then as they grew, I stayed with them. And then we added on these younger levels. Anyways, um, I went ahead and just texted the moms because I've known them for years um, that I hadn't heard from yet to see if there were even any cadets coming back at all. And so going into this, I'd been expecting eight and I actually ended up with two. And in fact, to make matters worse, those two aren't even getting along right now. <laughs> so uh, that was just really disappointing. Um, so by now, I knew we were expecting for that specific troop meeting, two cadets, zero juniors, maybe one to two brownies, and maybe four four or five daisies so definitely we still had literally enough girls for a troop but honestly it's a mess like it's just so hard to recruit at older levels so recruiting cadets and juniors seems like it's pretty tough it's certainly not unheard of but you know tough for sure so on the actual night of the first meeting back this year this school year in august we actually only had two cadets and one brownie show up. I got last minute cancellations or even for the next day, (laughs) cancellations from all the daisies who were all still planning to continue like four or five of them, but they just weren't able to make that particular meeting for one reason or another. And the one brownie who showed up was actually a brand new girl I had never met. And her mom was so bummed because she thought we were a really active, established group, like a big, active, established group, which like we were. Um, so I just felt horrible. Um, and then I had to have a really hard conversation with my two cadets, the two who don't even get along these days, which is basically that there's not enough of them to have cadet programming. So we talked about different options. They could continue as basically individual members, which is also called Juliets, if you've never heard that term. Um, And still, as Juliets or individual members, they could finish the silver projects that they'd started because both of these girls are eighth graders. um, And so they'd started their silver already so they could continue doing that. Um, Or they can probably continue on with the troop, but they're basically then going to be helpers and help run the little girl program there won't be separate cadet program for them they would just basically be like assistant troop leaders and they could still finish their silver uh if they want to and i would be happy to help them continue to pursue their silver they could also still go to summer camp they could sell cookies if they want to they could be part of girl scout destinations which is like travel programs that are planned either at the national level or at the council level but like basically any girl scout in the world who well like any gsusa girl scout who meets the age requirements can apply to be part of any girl scout destination so like my council might be planning a trip to um italy and a girl from massachusetts could um could go as part of that destination even though she's not from our council if that makes sense anyways They could still do all of that kind of stuff. And um, they did think that all sounded fun. But obviously, they were definitely disappointed. And here was the real kicker of the whole thing. I had to make the hard decision that I was not going to continue as a troop leader either way. This troop is based in a town about 45 minutes from me, like each way. (laughs) And depending on where you live, that might sound far or it might not. I don't know. But when I started the troop, it was like 10 minutes from me. And then I moved because I moved in with my current partner and my stepkids and we share custody. We have to live in a certain area, blah, blah. So I was commuting up to that other town to the troop and for a while i was working in an office building that was maybe like halfway in between so i was at least like halfway there already i just had a longer drive home at night after the troop meetings and that was still exhausting but i mean not so bad but now i don't even do that because i work from home so i have no reason to be over there in this neighboring city at all if it isn't for girl scouts and The reality is, if I'm going to start over with all brand new little girls, I'm going to do it closer to home because 
I had told my OG girls, my cadets, that I would stay with that troop as long as they kept coming back. And they all had this pact that they wanted to all stay until high school graduation. And although they had dwindled down to eight, they were still holding fast on that. And until all of a sudden, right before this meeting, which is fine. I don't blame them. I always told them the pact, I mean, is silly because your priorities change. That's okay. Um, They're allowed to change their minds. I'll support them and all the millions of things that they want to do. And obviously, I hoped that they would love Girl Scouts forever. But if they love too many things and choose not to continue, that's their choice. Like, my point is, this pact did not come from me. (laughs) That's all I'm trying to say here. Anyways, I had actually been planning to start a second troop closer to where I live now before the pandemic anyway. Um, But then everything shut down. So that just got put on hold. So it's not like I'm opposed to starting over. I'm actually excited to start over. It's just that I would want to start over near where I live and not 45 minutes away and then make that commitment to commute 45 minutes away as long as those girls choose to stay in. Like if they're kindergartners now, I mean, heck. So that's a big commitment, right? So um, that 45-minute commute uh, is just – it just gets more and more annoying um, over time. But the reality is I just love Girl Scouts. And, I mean, hopefully you know that (laughs) by the fact that this podcast even exists. So, of course, I'm going to be involved. But now that means – going to a brand new service unit and meeting all the people and seeing where there might even be room for me to one day join the service team. Probably not even right away because they most likely have a good thing going already and I'll be brand new and they don't know me. Um, Oh, and for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, if you don't have service units or service teams, um, you probably call it a community or a neighborhood but it's the same thing. Um, I do have a phraseology episode where I explain this terminology, but basically it's a super localized geographic group of Girl Scouts and councils have them throughout their whole council area. So if you think of it as like an umbrella, like GSUSA is at the top and it's split into councils, which are like regions. And then councils are split into smaller communities. Um, And those are either literally called communities or neighborhoods or service units or whatever. And the community slash neighborhood slash service unit is run by volunteers. And there's usually a go-to staff point person who oversees a handful of communities or service units or neighborhoods. So they usually are more like consultants or guides. And they let the volunteers more or less run things. Um, But of course, their level of involvement totally varies, not just by council, but also just by individual Um, so it's definitely not the same everywhere. Like not all of them are created equally. (laughs) Um, so my new area that I live in now, which I've been living here for a while, but, (laughs) um, but I haven't done Girl Scouts in this area. So my new area has the same council staff point person slash consultant as where my old troop was based. So that's kind of nice because it's the same staff person. But to be honest, I haven't even talked to her about it yet because I'm also thinking that maybe I don't want to try to recruit a brand new troop in a pandemic. So now I'm thinking I might start the next troop next back to school, like 2022. Um, Even though that sounds like it's a million years away, (laughs) I think I'd like to maybe attend leader meetings for this area so I can kind of meet some people and get to know my service unit this year and then probably plan to start my troop next fall. But who knows? Because if they need me to step in somewhere and help during the next year, I mean, I'm available and I'll probably say yes. Oh, so (laughs) what happened to the new girls who wanted to join my old troop? They're still joining. My new co-leader, who I just met this summer, has decided to take over as the troop leader. And she recruited her adult daughter and one of the new girl's moms to be her two co-leaders. So they're going to be a Daisy troop. Or I don't know, they might be doing Daisy Brownie. I'm not really sure what they decided to do exactly. But we filled out all the paperwork and everything to take me off the troop and sign over the bank account and everything, which is so weird. 
and I handed off a bunch of old troop supplies, which, to be honest, have mostly been sitting in my garage for the past year. So I don't even know what all is there or what state it's in at this point, but she'll go through it and figure it out. (laughs) I did agree to obviously be there for her to answer questions and help her transition, which at first made her super relieved. But honestly, ever since I handed everything over, I swear I've only heard from her like maybe twice just saying things are going great. (laughs) So I don't think she's going to really need me as much as she thought she might. And um, I'm really glad that she's so excited and enthusiastic about it. And I hope that they have the absolute best time. As for me, I am obviously sad. And I miss the girls so much. But that's also not new because I've been missing them for a year and a half. Most of my girls are in eighth grade this year, but they were in sixth the last time I saw them. And that is a huge difference. I mean, more or less, I've missed half of their entire middle school experience. And girls grow so much during middle school. I mean, it's amazing. So yes, of course, there's a lot of grieving and mourning and a little depression that it just ended so abruptly. (laughs) But also, there's a weird little bit of relief about not having to commute to that other city just for the troop, and um, definitely some excitement about the new beginning of starting a brand new troop when I'm ready, a lot closer to home. The weirdest part of the whole thing is just knowing that most likely I'll never see any of those girls again. I mean, we live in different cities. It's not like we're going to see each other at Target. Um, And I don't have a kid of my own their age. My stepkids are all pretty grown. My youngest is a senior in high school, goes to a school in a different city than my former Girl Scouts do. So it's not like I'm going to see them at school stuff or anything like that. It's just weird. Luckily, They're old enough to start to have a little bit of social media presence, so I can try to follow their life paths that way, and definitely we'll stay connected with some of the parents on social media, at least for now, but yeah, that's the hardest part. They're just gone. And then the other tough thing was telling the other volunteers, um, especially the service team, that I am done because obviously there are relationships there. So there was a lot of disappointment. I could go into a long analysis about what's going on with my service unit as a whole because it's actually kind of interesting as far as changes to the population and demographics and the development of the area and how that's influenced membership and recruitment and stuff like that. But Honestly, if if I was going to do that, that's probably a whole other episode. But the point is, that was also hard. But one of the first things that I thought of when all of this went down is that now I absolutely have enough time for this podcast and all the cool things I wanted to do with the podcast and the Facebook group and the website Because before, I really didn't have the bandwidth to do everything. But now I can stay connected to the Girl Scout community through this avenue, and I can replace the time and energy I would have devoted to my old troop into these projects. So that is super cool and exciting. And obviously, I'm going to keep you posted. But the short story is that I'm excited to dig into more interviews with volunteers, girls, maybe even staff members all across the country, as well as the research coming out of not just GSRI, but also other nonprofits and world organizations that are geared toward the well-being and development of girls, and also training and how-to and news and things like that, because I've been involved with Girl Scouts in one way or another for almost 30 years in a ton of different capacities and feminism and closing the gender gap has always been a passion of mine since high school. I guess you could say I bleed green. (laughs) I'm drinking the green (laughs) Kool-Aid. I'm a lifetime member and 
I'll be involved in some way or another forever. You people are my favorite people. And this is just the best community of like-minded folks who want to build girls of courage, confidence, and character who make the world a better place. So with that being said, make sure you're subscribed or following this podcast wherever you most like listening to podcasts, whether that's Apple or Spotify or Stitcher or Google Podcasts or Amazon Music or Audible or literally anywhere. Also, if you're a Facebook user, you can join the Facebook group and follow the page at facebook.com slash Girl Scout podcast. And if you want to check out the website, which is admittedly a work in progress, although there are some resources and of course my shop is on there. You can find that at buildinggirlsofcourage.com. I want to hear from you. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, if you love it, if it has meant something to you, if it's been helpful or interesting in any way, please leave me a review and share it with someone who might also benefit from it. If you're new here, please check out some of the older, less depressing and confusing episodes. I have been sharing so much great info in this podcast since 2018. So check out some of the other episodes and then let me know what you think in a review. You can also let me know what you'd like to hear more of in this podcast or ask me a question, either specific or general, that I will happily answer in a podcast episode, either in the Facebook group or by emailing me at girlscoutpodcast at gmail.com. If you're interested in coming on the podcast, send me an email or message me on Facebook. I'd love to have you. You can be brand spanking new or involved in any capacity for any number of days or weeks or months or years. There's no qualifying criteria except that you're involved in Girl Scouts in some capacity or you were one as a kid. It is so easy and in fact, It's a lot of fun because we just get to meet and chat about Girl Scouts. It's seriously that simple. I will even send you the questions ahead of time so you can think about what you might want to share and what memories or stories you might want to talk about. All right, that's all for now. (laughs) That's plenty. Um, Sending you all my love. Stay safe and healthy, my Girl Scout friends.